Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, a segment inspired by listeners. Our show two weeks ago about Twitter cracking down on QAnon accounts drew a number of calls and comments from listeners worried about family members and friends who believe in the baseless conspiracy. We've invited two experts on cult-like communities to talk about how to help people emerge from the rabbit hole. Then, boarded up storefronts and city streets practically deserted by the pandemic, are coming alive with street art, murals honoring George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, healthcare workers, and black lives. We'll look at the power of street art and social movements with artist Tatiana Fazla Lizade. That's all next on Forum. Join us. Welcome to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. QAnon, the online conspiracy that traffics in baseless theories about a Satan-worshipping and child-abusing deep state, is spreading. Among its defenders are Republican congressional candidates, far-right media personalities, and current and former Trump administration officials. It's also drawn in countless ordinary Americans who've come to believe in its apocalyptic, convoluted narratives. We'll talk about what attracts people to QAnon and similar cult-like communities, and what friends and family members can do to help loved ones emerge from this rabbit hole. We're talking with Mick West, author of Escaping the Rabbit Hole, How to Debunk Conspiracy Theories Using Facts, Logic, and Respect. He's also founder of Metabunk.org. Thanks for joining us, Mick West. Thank you. Glad to be here. Also with us is Joe Pierre, professor of psychiatry and biobehavioral sciences at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA. He's also author of Psych Unseen, the blog where he writes about conspiracy theories. Dr. Joe Pierre, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me and good morning. If I could start with you, I mean, this QAnon conspiracy, which um, we should remind listeners at its core believes that that President Trump is battling a cabal of Satan-worshipping pedophiles, often powerful Democrats, that are trying to take over the country, and that someone named Q is dropping important clues on the Internet. Joe Pierre, why do you think it's flourished? Yeah, well, when I think about QAnon, I like to think about three different aspects of it. I mean, certainly at its core, it's a conspiracy theory, and uh, there is quite a bit of research uh, in psychology about why people might be drawn to conspiracy theories. Uh, Some of those reasons might include a need to feel special or unique or needs for closure, certainty, and control. Um, But other, I think, important aspects of QAnon are many people now are likening it to a religion or a cult, and we know that people tend to join 
religions and cults uh, because of a need for emotional or group affiliation. They might be feeling lonely. They might feel, be feeling anxious. And finally, I think the third interesting part about QAnon is there's also this aspect where it's kind of like a game or a puzzle and that uh, people – uh, part of the appeal is, is sort of the same appeal that people have when they play video games, and and therefore it can have a, an almost addicting component to it. Hmm. Mick West, you've described QAnon as something that seems more immune to some of the more traditional debunking techniques. What makes it hard to debunk? Well, QAnon is very interesting because it is it is very different to uh, things like chemtrails or 9-11 conspiracy theories. Uh, Conspiracy theories often arise because someone is the underdog. Uh, and yet here we have this conspiracy theory where the hero of this conspiracy theory is Trump, who is the president of the country. So in some ways, it's, it's a traditional conspiracy theory turned on its head, where we have uh, the people who are in charge of the country actually being portrayed as the victims of a, of a conspiracy when it's usually the other way around. With 9-11, we saw Trump, oh, we saw, sorry, we saw Bush being the person who was the, the, the conspirer. But here it's, uh, it's kind of the other way around. We have this nefarious deep state, supposedly, uh, as, as the villain. And so does that, you think, give it more weight? It makes it, uh, it, makes it different. Uh, and it's also, you know, the one thing about QAnon is that it's a very mercurial uh, conspiracy theory. It's constantly changing. It's constantly making all these predictions about the very near future. Whereas traditional conspiracy theories are often about events that were happened in the past, like the assassination of JFK or the events of 9-11 or things that are, 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 were planned long, long ago, like, for example, the chemtrail conspiracy theory. But QAnon is very much about what's happening in the news this very minute, which makes it very difficult to actually get your uh, get your teeth into it from a debunking point of view because it's always changing. And it's really embedded in the internet, right, Joe Pierre? And and so it's as Mick West is saying, it's always in motion, whether on the internet, on social media. Do you feel like that complicates it a lot? Well, I think that's one of the reasons why it, it is somewhat different than, say, a more traditional cult, because cults uh, traditionally are groups of people, and they're often isolated by geography or, or being physically enclosed within that group system. Whereas with QAnon, we really are talking about, for the most part, an Internet phenomenon. Um, and, and what that means, of course, is that many people who are immersed in that subculture are doing so online. Uh, and that, to some extent, highlights the difficulties that family members or other loved ones have with QAnon enthusiasts, because they're really competing for time uh, in terms of their attention, uh, being on the Internet instead of their face-to-face, -face, uh, you know, interacting in real life. It's interesting. So you mentioned that, you know, people are drawn to conspiracy theories generally because, say, maybe they, they have a need uh, for uniqueness or a sense of control. Do you feel like that there are conditions now, for example, the, the pandemic, that are also really um, driving some of this pull of conspiracy theories? For sure. And just to clarify, uh, I think we all have needs to feel special or unique or to have certainty and control. Those are really universal needs. But what psychology research has shown is that to a certain extent, those kinds of traits 
or I call them cognitive quirks, are stronger in, patient, in people who tend to believe in conspiracy theories. Um, but to answer your question about um, the circumstances right now, we definitely know throughout history that belief in conspiracy theories tend to rise and conspiracy theories in general proliferate during times of crisis and uncertainty. And so we're now living in a time, Lourdes is a great example of that, and it's really given people like me who are interested in conspiracy theories a chance to see them uh, be created um, in real time. And so part of that does relate to those needs for certainty and control. I mean, we're all in the midst of this pandemic trying to struggle with how we should change our lives, how to protect ourselves, how worried we should be. And especially with a novel pandemic, because science is is slow and, and it's a process of stops and starts in terms of discovering information about this pandemic, when people look for certainty and, and clear answers, kind of ironically, some of those certain certain answers come from conspiracies uh, sometimes, whereas the, the real state of affairs is that we don't really know exactly what's going on or what's going to happen in the future. So then, Mick West, what can be done to help people exit? What are the steps that you think people can take, especially if they're concerned about uh, a family member or a friend? We had a, a show two weeks ago where we had calls where spouses were uh, deeply involved in this conspiracy as well as all the way to co-workers and acquaintances well the first thing that people need to do is to keep talking to the person and this is something that's uh, been known for a long time with uh, people dealing with cults is that the important thing uh, that you can do for somebody is provide them with an anchor to the outside world you want to make it so that they don't get fully sucked into this this alternate reality and that they have some contact with the, the real reality. And you have to be very careful here though. You have to treat them with kid gloves to a large extent, certainly initially, uh, because people get defensive very easily and they, they throw up all kinds of barriers against what you're trying to do. They start to see you as an enemy and they might not talk to you anymore. So you, you, ha you usually have a little bit of leverage in that you are a, say a relative or a loved one of this person and they will listen to you initially and you have to use that, but you have to tread carefully you have to be very careful not to make them turn against you. I want to invite listeners to join this conversation. We're talking about how people get drawn into QAnon or other conspiracy theories or cult-like groups and what you can do to help friends and loved ones who've fallen sway. We're with Mick West, author of Escaping the Rabbit Hole, How to Debunk Conspiracy Theories Using Facts, Logic, and Respect. We also have Joe Pierre with us, professor of psychiatry and biobehavioral sciences at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA. If you'd like to join the conversation with questions or comments, you can do so now. The number 866 733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook or at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. So, Mick West, you're talking about making sure that you are there and continue talking with people. How do you do that um, if, as you say, there there is a lot of emotion and a lot of, you know, incredulity? I mean, you're 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 trying to convince something, someone of something that you really know is, is completely off, off the charts. How do you keep that emotional stability so that that connection doesn't get dropped? 
Well, first of all, you, you don't want to start jumping in and trying to debunk everything that they're claiming. You really want to start off with some common ground. You've got to find, you know, what do you actually agree upon before you start going into things you just disagree with. And a lot of people will agree that there is some form of corruption in government. Uh, so if you personally feel that some politicians are corrupt, some politicians take too much money from lobbyists for legislation or things like that, then you can talk about that and you can say, yes, politicians do plot politicians do conspire and politicians do have uh, our best interests at heart. And then you've got to try to learn what is their actual point of view, because you, you're getting these little ridiculous sounding uh, drips and drabs from them, but they have this very complicated worldview and they probably think that you are being brainwashed by the media. They have this kind of symmetrical point of view about you as, as you have about them. So you've got to kind of teach them about what you uh, are about and learn what they are about and then try to establish some kind of common ground and then try to move forward from there. Well, this listener writes, you can no more disabuse someone from a conspiracy theory than you can convince the faithful that God doesn't exist. Facts and data don't work with either group. What's your reaction to that, Mick West? Well, both things happen though. People become atheists, uh, people be stop being, becoming atheists. Uh, people do come out of the conspiracy theory rabbit hole. I have several examples in, in my book and I've met lots of people and I've talked to lots of people who used to be conspiracy theorists and they were conspiracy theorists for many, many years and they seemed intractable at the time. So it does happen. Uh, it just takes perhaps, usually takes quite a bit longer than you think it would take. Uh, so don't give up hope is my, mm -hmm. my key message there. So it takes a while. Joe Pierre, you were saying that, you know, conspiracy theories and believing in them is actually a fairly normal thing. Half the population tends to be drawn to them anyway. How do you know if it's becoming potentially dangerous? What are the signs you should look for over the course of this, as Mick was saying, long, potentially long period of time that it could take to convince somebody or help them emerge? Well, I think it's important to recognize that uh, QAnon enthusiasts are not a monolith. And so when, when I talk about belief or when we talk about belief in psychology, we often dimensionalize it and break it down into different components. And so two important components of belief have to do with conviction and preoccupation. So conviction really describes just how strongly someone ha holds that belief whether they're able to entertain alternatives and think flexibly about the fact that they might be wrong, and then preoccupation, which means how much time is spent thinking about the belief, uh, doing research, getting deeper down that rabbit hole. And so I think that that sort of continuum view of beliefs is important because the appropriate interventions might differ depending on that spectrum. And the deeper you are and the more preoccupied and the more your identity comes to be aligned with that belief, that's often where things can get dangerous, not only for the believer themselves, because for one thing, they're spending so much time to the exclusion of other activities, uh, but also in terms of needing to defend their identity and their belief. And of course, there are some examples of those sometimes uh, resulting in violent behavior or incidents like, um, you know, the gentleman who derailed the train down here in Southern California yes. um, because of uh, his concerns about the, the uh, Navy hospital boat that was uh, in the port here. Well, let me go to caller Yona in Katari. Hi, Yona. Hello. Hi, Yona. Yeah, you're on. Hello. Hi, Yona. Can you hear me? You're on. Yes, um, I I wanted to make the point that um, President Trump himself refers to a deep state hoax 
and, and other things, anything that the dentist can mm. is the product of a um, deep conspiracy. So Fiona, that. I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm actually having a little bit of trouble with the connection, but I think I was hearing you say that you feel like President Trump plays a role in, in this theory. Oh, absolutely. He's the king. Of He's it. the king. And you He's worry that... And you and worry he, that that strengthens it? Absolutely, because uh, he has the pulpit. You know, he has the way of, he, he calls everything that goes against him a hoax and that there's a deep state. He, he said those very things that you said QAnon yes. stands for. Yona, you're coming through much clearer now. Thanks for that. And and Joe Pierre and, and Mick West, we were talking about that earlier, is that one of the things that's so interesting about it is that it is something that basically the the most powerful person in the country um, is viewed as the victim and, and the novelty of that. But but it's also very interesting, isn't it, Joe Pierre, that it is something that's also being defended by, um, you know, media, high-profile media figures, and, and now there are congressional candidates, one who has a very good chance of winning, uh, who is also a, a QAnon sympathizer. Yes, I mean we're certainly living in interesting times from that perspective. Um, you know, when I when I like to um, talk about conspiracy theories, I like to understand them uh, according to a model that includes two components. And the first component is trust, or really mistrust. Uh, and so I define conspiracies by saying that the first part is that they reject authoritative sources, uh, uh, authoritative sources of information, and the other component is belief in misinformation. So that when we mistrust authoritative sources, we're then vulnerable to believing things that aren't true. And so to answer your question, we're now living at a time where that message of mistrust is really rampant. And what we know from conspiracy theories uh, research is that when there's this sort of vacuum of trust and people don't know who to trust and therefore what to believe, that vacuum is rapidly filled. And it's filled by people who are profiting off of conspiracy theories. I mean, literally making money. It's big business to make YouTube videos or to uh, you know, have, have news networks that, that peddle conspiracy theories. But we also know from political science that conspiracy theories are a propaganda tool. And so governments and politicians uh, throughout history um, and, you know, across the, the world uh, use conspiracy theories to, this, to their advantage. Mm. A fair amount these days has been written about the idea that we live in this post-truth society, that, that people no longer believe that truth exists. And that's really a deliberate uh, political propaganda tool um, that, that, that the governments have used uh, along the course of history. Well, let me go next to Brian in Santa Rosa. Hi, Brian. Join us. Hi, how are you doing? Um, I'm well. I'm worried that, yeah, uh, the conversation is interesting. I, I worry that what's really going on with discussing uh, QAnon as a cult um, is part of the othering of people who you don't agree with. And when you say that somebody's part of a cult or is believing in conspiracy theories, we just lived through four years of the Russia collusion hoax, and that was a hoax. And the New York Times are trusted, the people we're supposed to trust, they got it wrong or they deliberately misled the public? Well, Brian, thanks for your point. I mean, I, I think people would take issue with 
Russia collusion as a hoax. So there's definitely been a lot of argument about the term collusion and how it's defined. But I do take your point about othering and the danger of othering. And I'd like to like to get Mick West's uh, perspective on this. I mean, one of the things that I find striking is that there are some people who have told me that that those who believe in QAnon really are deeply concerned about, say, children, right, and, and child abuse and feel like what they're doing is something that's truly good. Uh, can you address Brian's point and, and some of these broader ways of engaging that, that don't make people feel, you know, put down? Sure, otherized? yeah. No, it's the othering is really a, a big problem and it's uh, an increasing problem. And I think uh, some of the people who are pushing these uh, conspiracy theories are kind of pushing them in a way that increases this this division within society because it's uh, it's good for what they want. Uh, but if if someone is labelled uh, something, uh, not only does it kind of pigeonhole them in the minds of other people around them, it also makes them very defensive about that label. So if you tell someone you're in a cult or you're believing in conspiracy theories or uh, you've been brainwashed by the by Russian bots or something like that, then it can really backfire. It can have the, 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 the opposite effects to what you like. Uh, so you have to be very careful about using these labels. And this is why I, I say you should strive for common ground. Uh, when you get to that common ground, then you can talk about things you can uh, disagree on that are fairly close to things you actually agree about upon, mm. uh, rather than going far off into left field and uh, setting off the, these kind of landmines that they have around them. I think you're addressing this listener's tweet. The book, When Prophecy Fails, indicates that when predictions fail to materialize, some people fall away, but many believe more intensely mm -hmm. and behave more fanatically perhaps to stifle their doubts, sunk costs. I, it reminds me a little bit of what you wrote about McWest as the backfire effect. Yeah, we certainly get this sunk cost thing where people have put so much effort into things that if you actually debunk something, uh, it can backfire and they will take it as evidence of you trying to debunk them proves that they were right because if they were wrong, why would you bother trying to debunk them? Uh, the backfire effect though doesn't always happen people do actually respond in a, in a positive way to uh, correct information. So don't think that it, it's useless debunking because it does actually work uh, in many instances. Well, let me try to bring Anderson in Georgia into the conversation. Hi, Anderson. Hey, how's it going? Well, what's on your mind? Um, so I've been kind of critically following QAnon for a couple of years. Um, I just thought it was kind of a wacky internet conspiracy and so i started looking into it and quickly found that it was actually uh just like a really bleak wormhole of sadness that destroys lives but um particularly a thing that i haven't seen in conspiracies before is they have a saying uh future proves past which um they can kind of use to retroactively just mm -hmm. I don't prove kind of anything based on uh, just any sort of Q drop. And, you know, there's thousands of Q drops now. And yes. uh, it just seems particularly insidious and something really difficult to combat um, because I, I just don't know what you can do. And your reality is just sort of malleable at that point, And you can make anything prove anything you want. Yeah, such an interesting point, Mick West. Yeah, I think people need to look back to things like the prophecies of Nostradamus. Um, perhaps not everyone who follows Q is familiar with things like that, but Nostradamus was this, this 14th century mystic who wrote these, these quatrains, these little poems, 
that people uh, now in the present, uh, the future from back then, have kind of used that same approach. The future proved the past uh, by fitting things to these quatrains, which sound like just nonsense when you read them. But if you say this word means this, this word means that, this word means something else, and you fit it all together, uh, and uh, it works. So. Yes, and you can find any number of things to confirm anything you believe on the internet, which is where this is really based. Mick West, he is author of Escaping the Rabbit Hole, How to Debunk Conspiracy Theories Using Facts, Logic, and Respect. Joe Pierre is with us, professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA and author of the Psych Unseen blog. We'll have more with him after the break and with you, our listeners. I'm Mina Kim. Stay with us. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about how people get drawn into QAnon and other cult-like conspiracy groups and what you can do to help your friends and loved ones. We're talking with Mick West, founder of Metabunk.org, and Joe Pierre, professor of psychiatry and behavioral, biobehavioral sciences at UCLA. And you, are listeners, the number to call 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Kyler writes, I used to be into the 9-11 truther scene, mostly watching YouTube videos. They can be very convincing if that is all you are watching. Maybe 10 years ago, I was cruising YouTube and I think the recommendation algorithm made a mistake and it suggested a debunked video. Then I realized there's a huge collection of 9-11 conspiracy debunk videos that make some very good points, and I totally abandoned the truth or belief soon after. I am now very mindful about how I am being played online with recommended content. Bertha in Pengrove, join us. Hi, Bertha. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm curious uh, about what I see as a preponderance of um, of conspiracy theories and, and really kind of wacky theories coming mostly from the right. And this is going back to, you know, talk radio days when uh, Hillary Clinton was both the lover of Vince Foster and a lesbian and a murderess and so on. And in particular, the um, the painting of Democrats and people on the left as pedophiles, Pizzagate and all, when at the same time, for decades, there's been a lot of reportage about uh, abuses of children in the Catholic Church, for example, and this seems to be completely absent from the dialogue of people who supposedly care about the welfare of children. So I'd like the um, guest to comment Mm -hmm. on why there seems to be a preponderance of this from the right rather than the left. Bertha, thanks. Joe Pierre, what do you think about Bertha's observation? Well, first of all, I would note that if we look back through history, it's really not true that, uh, say, the right or conservatives in general tend to believe in conspiracy theories more. There are other types of conspiracy theories that are ideologically more aligned with uh, more liberal uh, themes, Uh, even within the so-called anti-vax movement. uh, That's a good example of that. That's not just a conservative movement. Um, So the question then is, at the moment, is, is it true? Or, or why might it be that some of these conspiracy theories are more aligned with uh, conservatives? And certainly QAnon uh, is, a, is an example of that. And so part of the explanation does have to do with this sort of who's in power effect uh, that was discussed uh, earlier. Um, that's part of it. Um, and even though President Trump, of course, is in power, I think that the conservatives are feeling a bit threatened right now that he may or may not, you know, 
be in a good position to win come November. And so there, there is this sort of loss of, of power that, that might be playing into to some of this. And that's really, uh, I think, at the core of some of the, the QAnon belief, right? There's this idea that President Trump is being besieged by these evil forces on the left that are trying to destroy our democracy. So I think that's one explanation of, of what's going on right now. Well, Linda writes, my mom has always believed in conspiracy theories, especially the 9-11 one. But now her latest is she doesn't even believe that COVID-19 is real. She thinks all mainstream media is unbelievable and she relies solely on one source, Information Clearinghouse. She lives on the East Coast and I'm in Santa Cruz. Our relationship over this has suffered deeply lately. I feel like I can't even talk to her anymore because she gets so angry and defensive. She seems to no longer care about anything but conspiracy theories. McWest, any advice for Linda? Linda? Well, you try, want to try to avoid things that do make her angry and defensive, which can be difficult. Uh, something you can try is a kind of a quid pro quo, where if you watch one of her videos, she watches one of your videos, and then you try to discuss what you've both learned uh, from the other person's video. Because you, you've got to realize that there is this, this kind of symmetry of perception here, where she, she thinks that you are uh, a crazy brainwashed person and you think that she is a, a crazy brainwashed person when in reality neither of neither people uh, is to the, the extent that they they think they are uh, and both people are trying to do good but one person has fallen into a rabbit hole and you need to try to figure out what's actually going on so talk to them and try try to do this quid pro quo hmm. let me go to eric in temecula hi eric hi good morning uh my mom seems to uh, fit into the personality type that uh, wants to, I don't know if it's be unique, um, but uh, throughout her life, every four or five years, she's gotten into something that's been on the fringe. Um, the last one was Scientology. And at that point, I had to come to terms with the possibility that she would need to um, uh, not communicate with me anymore. And I had to, it was sad. I almost had to write her off as, 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 as being dead. Like I might not never get to see or talk to my mom again. Um, and last year she came out of that um, and they did not force her to stay or anything. It was sort of just a, a mutual thing. So I was really surprised, but then she's gotten uh, heavy into, into QAnon now and uh, sends the family all sorts of, messages and things and um i just try to connect with her on what i've told her please don't send me any of that you know um, we're not on the same page with it um, but i just try to connect with her on what especially in this time right now what she's she's in her 70s what she's doing for exercise and and her her food and diet and what she's eating i'm i'm hundreds of miles away i can't support her but uh fortunately my brother is a little bit closer and um, so, you know, everybody's got to eat. And so we, we just try to connect on that and everybody's got to move a little bit to stay healthy. And, and so we just talk about those things um, because that's, you know, at the core, um, what what is important is that, you know, mom is, is healthy. And if her, she's getting entertained with the QAnon stuff, I guess if she's happy with that um, and it's not having a detrimental effect, which I don't see it having right now, then I can't falter for that. I, I watch a uh, some sports and, you know, there's lots of people that say, you know, what, what do you watch sports for? There's all sorts of bad things that happen in, in those. So, mm. uh, to each their own, um, but, uh, just focusing on, 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 on her health and safety is, is my main focus these days. Well, Thank Eric, you. thanks so much for sharing that story. And Mick West, it sounds like Eric's doing a lot of the things that you recommend to some extent. 
Yeah, definitely. You've got to prioritize things. You know, is it worth getting into a big argument with someone? You know, if they have a bunch of strange uh, beliefs that entertain them, then perhaps it's better just to leave them alone, you know, especially if they're elderly in their 70s. Uh, you've got to think of what are the actual priorities here. It may be a bit distressing to you that this person believes these strange things, but is the, the cure worse than the disease in this case? And would uh, uh, tackling them on these issues uh, ruin your relationship with this person? So figure out like, what your priorities are before you start running into things. And this last comment to you, Dr. Pierre, Julie writes, my sister was part of a religious cult in Houston, which my mom and I managed to help her extricate herself from a couple years ago, though she moved away from the cult and was healthy again. She then once again put herself in the path of a similar cult. Is it possible that she's just hardwired for these kinds of things? Joe Pierre, you talked earlier about cognitive quirks, but I wonder if there's anything you can say to, to Julie's question. Sure. Um, I mean, I like to get away from the idea that we're hardwired for anything. The brain is actually quite flexible and we do adapt and change all, all the time. Uh, that said, obviously, we, we also at times are very set in our ways. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think one thing that's in, important to, to realize here when we, when we talk about hoping to, to pull people out of the system is um, that really there's kind of a mismatch, right? The, we might see the harmful effects. We might see that the person's immersion in QAnon might be detracting from our ability to interact with them as family members. But oftentimes what we have to think about what that person is getting from being in that system. In other words, they're not asking to be rescued. They don't want to come out. So in the old days when we talked about cults and we talked about deprogramming, People would literally go and extricate those people out of the cult and then bring them outside of that system where they could then do the deprogramming. This is really about the Internet. So it's really about uh, unplugging if that were possible. You know? so, so, for example, if we were talking about a child who was getting into QAnon, it might actually be appropriate for the parent to, to put limits on how much, they're spending on, uh, how much time they're spending online. But when we're talking about adults, it's a much different thing, and it's very easy then to fall back into to, to the Internet in these kind of um, settings. Um, you know, I, I've been thinking as I was thinking about this interview about this movie uh, called What Dreams May Come with Robin Williams. Mm -hmm. It came out some years ago, and it really is about this man who, in order to rescue his wife who's gone to hell, who's died and gone to hell, he has to go there himself to pull her out. And I think to some extent that's exactly what, uh, conspiracy believers want their loved ones to do, except they're not expecting that they're going to get pulled out. They're expecting that that loved one's going to make that journey with them and see the light and the truth and want to stay there with them. And I really think that speaks to the power that these beliefs have. Um, and also, very importantly, the potential for something to be lost if one then gives up that belief and gives up that affiliation, whether, again, that's the need for uniqueness that's lost, the need for specialness, the need for certainty. All of those things are potentially taken away from the person um, if they're taken out of that belief system, and that might very well lead them to, to seek that again in some other form. Well, I think you leave us with a really important thought. I mean, and the need for comfort is actually quite great right now. Thank you so much, Dr. Pierre, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Joe Pierre, Professor of Psychiatry and Biobehavioral Sciences at the School of Medicine at UCLA, 
author of Psych Unseen, a blog where he writes about conspiracy theories, and Mick West, founder of Metabunk.org and author of Escaping the Rabbit Hole, How to Debunk Conspiracy Theories Using Facts, Logic, and Respect. Thanks so much for joining us as well, Mick West. Thank you for having me. And thanks to our listeners for sharing their stories and their questions and comments. More of Forum is next. Stay with us. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Hi, I'm Tyler Foggett. Join me and my colleagues as we go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on The Political Scene, a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, The Political Scene accesses the sharpest minds in politics for insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Make sure you're following The Political Scene, available now wherever you get your podcasts.